One of my favorite memories of Christmas was when our family was living in Baton Rouge and I was in high school. For Christmas, I received the complete set of books of J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings trilogy along with The Hobbit. It must have been unusually cold that year because I remember spending the days of the long Christmas weekend sitting by the fireplace, which didn't happen very often in Louisiana, making sure to keep the fire burning, eating the biggest peppermint stick imaginable, and reading all four books, one right after the other. The stories and characters in Tolkien's books were so rich and compelling, and the world he created was vivid and exciting. I felt like I couldn't read them fast enough. And when I turned the final page of the last book, I was sad that my reading journey had come to an end. Fast forward several years to 2001, when the first of three major movie adaptations of the books was going to be released. The publicity surrounding the films reminded me of how much I had enjoyed the books, so I decided to reread them in anticipation of seeing the movies. It had been such a long time since I had visited the stories, and I wanted to reacquaint myself with the characters and the plot before seeing someone else's vision on the screen. During that period, I would often go to the local Barnes & Noble for lunch and sit in the cafe to eat and to read. On one lunch break in late September, I was reading from the first book of the trilogy, The Fellowship of the Ring, and came to this section where Frodo, a contented, comfortable hobbit who lived in the peaceful Shire, was told by Gandalf, a wizard, about a powerful, growing evil that had gained control in other regions and, if nothing were done, threatened to spread pain and destruction even to the peaceful Shire. It was clear from what Gandalf told Frodo that there were ways to resist this darkness and, more specifically, actions that Frodo could take. But they would require Frodo to walk away from the familiar, pleasant life that he knew and put himself at considerable risk. After listening to Gandalf's dire reports of the very real suffering and danger at hand and beginning to see that his pleasant, sheltered life that he knew was going to change in ways he could not imagine. Frodo said, I wish it need not have happened in my time. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. It was at that point that I put the book down after reading these lines a second time and almost broke into tears. This was only a couple of weeks past September 11th, and death, destruction, and fear seemed at that point to be everywhere, wiping out much of the sense of security and safety that I and many others took for granted. I could identify only too well with Frodo's desire for circumstances to be different for the upheaval of the world to happen in someone else's lifetime. To be able to hold on to what was familiar in my life without having to confront unwanted problems and challenges to the world as I knew it. In addition to sharing in Frodo's great fear and sorrow, I found Gandalf's reply to be steadying. 
After acknowledging Frodo's very real, very normal reaction to his world being turned upside down, Gandalf helped Frodo redirect his attention away from worry and despair to begin to focus on those choices he could make about what to do with the time and the circumstances he had been given. And if you are at all familiar with the story, you know that Frodo responded selflessly, courageously, and heroically to the problems of his time at great personal cost, despite his uncertainty and his fear. Although we sometimes are tempted to think we have things worse now than ever, no time is truly free from trouble and turmoil, and there is no person who does not have to face hardship and grief. There are times when the problems do seem bigger and more overwhelming, and communally this seems to be one of those times, with COVID-19 negatively impacting just about everyone as increased widespread efforts to address ongoing harm caused by racism have become more visible and have often been met with hostile reactions. And as rising gun violence and the resulting deaths yet again lead the headlines far too often. Even if individuals aren't directly impacted by these larger problems, job losses, devastating medical diagnoses, broken relationships, Housing struggles and mental illness can come out of nowhere to turn our lives upside down. Faithfully responding to challenging turmoil and conflict can be seen in all of the scripture readings assigned for today, a day often referred to as Good Shepherd Sunday. When I hear the term Good Shepherd, the images I usually think of are similar to what is portrayed in the stained glass window here at Christ Church. A calm Jesus, holding a little lamb in his arms, no danger or trouble in sight. I imagine stretching out to nap next to a quiet stream in the green grass as described in Psalm 23. A picture being protected and cared for by the good shepherd who is willing to lay down his life to keep me and the other sheep safe. And although I know through faith and experience that this great love, care, and protection can absolutely be found in Jesus, the Good Shepherd, only looking to Jesus to provide us with personal comfort and safety falls short of what the Good Shepherd offers when he calls. Psalm 23 is probably the most familiar of all the psalms and is often prayed at funerals as we struggle with death, grief, and loss and as we seek comfort and rest in the presence of the Lord, our shepherd. But the words of the psalm don't only speak of being consoled or finding relief from pain. The shepherd in the psalm is almost continuously in motion, as is the one being shepherded. The shepherd leads and guides, not only beside still waters and along right pathways, but also, also through places of evil and death among people who are threats. The opportunity for respite and restoration that the shepherd provides is not simply for personal benefit or protection from future struggle. The reviving of the soul prepares us for continued journeys through valleys and trouble. Challenging and potentially dangerous or painful journeys 
that can be made with the knowledge of the ever-present care and protection offered by the shepherd whose goodness and mercy follows us all the days of our life. In Acts, we hear the good shepherd's voice speaking through the lives of John and Peter, two of Jesus' disciples. These two drop everything to follow Jesus during his earthly life, and they continue to respond to that call even after they witness Jesus' crucifixion. They are imprisoned for performing acts of healing and for proclaiming Jesus' resurrection from the dead. But we hear the shepherd's voice in Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, as he testifies boldly in front of an assembly of very powerful people who are determined to stop Peter and John from disrupting the community with their actions as followers of Jesus. Peter and John, empowered by the Good Shepherd's example, are prepared to lay down their lives rather than to keep silent about what they have seen and heard as they have journeyed with Jesus. In 1 John, the writer's understanding of the call made by Jesus, the good shepherd, to his followers cannot be much clearer. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? We all have times when we struggle, when our strength has failed us, when we need to rest in the comfort and care of the shepherd. But once we are restored, we are not to become hired hands, leaving those in trouble to fend for themselves as we protect our own safety. We are to strive to follow where the good shepherd leads, even when that path leads us to laying down our lives for the lives of others in need. Right now in the life of Christ Church and in the wider community, we are in a period of transition. There is still much to grieve that has been lost during this last year, but there are also reasons to celebrate as we begin to take part in valued activities again, including in-person worship. This is a time of healing and restoration but it should also be a time to prepare for new ways to follow Jesus, because although some problems may be easing, there are still so many people in need and situations that cry out for help. As wonderfully familiar as these pews might be, none of us should expect to get too comfortable in them. Regardless of whether you are someone who quickly returns to worship physically in this space, or you are not yet prepared to come back to services in person, or you are someone who's never actually been in this space, but will continue to join this community online. It is my hope that our communal worship and prayers not only provide an opportunity for comfort and rest in our grief and our weariness, but also give us the spirit and courage we need to lay down our lives to follow when the shepherd calls. As we pray in one of our Eucharistic prayers, may we be delivered from coming for solace only and not for strength, for pardon only and not for renewal. 
May we all experience comfort and healing on this Good Shepherd Sunday. And may we also find in the shepherd's voice the spirit and the strength to be able to respond selflessly, courageously, and faithfully to the needs in our time. Amen.